Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Hi, everyone, and welcome to our very special Women in Technology edition of Atlanta Business Radio. I'm Katie Galley. We have our producer, Stone Payton, with us, and I am joined today by my wonderful co-host, WITS Director of Research Development, Pat Hurston. Pat, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. Thank you for inviting us, and we're just happy to be here. Of course. I love this segment, coming in once a month and talking about women in technology. Yes. So who did you bring with you today? We brought Tamika Curry-Smith. She is uh, responsible for diversity and inclusion for uh, Mercedes-Benz. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, welcome, Tamika. How are you doing? I'm great this morning. Thanks so much for having me. Really excited to be here. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and the work that you're doing with Mercedes-Benz USA? Sure. So um, on the personal side, I a little bit about me. Born and raised in the Detroit area, went to the University of Michigan undergrad where I studied accounting. And I started out my career working at Deloitte & Touche on the accounting and auditing side. And then um, how I got into diversity and inclusion work was actually pretty interesting. I worked um, in on the consulting side of Deloitte for a number of years. And then um, one day got asked um, out of the blue to, to head diversity and inclusion for um, Deloitte Consulting. And that was about 16 years ago. And I've been doing uh, DNI, which is the abbreviation for diversity and inclusion, work ever since. Um, I left Deloitte and went to Target and was their um, head of diversity as well. And then I was an entrepreneur for about 10 years and had my own DNI consulting firm. And then I joined Mercedes-Benz USA about a year ago um, and lead their diversity and inclusion efforts here in the United States. Wow. So um, you kind of, it seems like you fell into that diversity and inclusion area, but what made you so passionate about it to the point where you wanted to start your own business around it? Well, I think for me, as my career progressed, I learned um, that what was really important to me was having an impact and making a difference. And when I thought about what I had been doing organically, even when I was doing, for example, consulting full time at Deloitte, I was always very much involved in diversity efforts on the side. I was recruiting. I was um, being buddies for people who started with the firm. I was mentoring and And it was just, I think, a personal passion. And so when I got the opportunity to make it a professional passion, um, it really was the best of both worlds. And um, I did it, as you mentioned, uh, in corporate America for a while. And then both of my parents were entrepreneurs. And so growing up, I just had that in my blood, so to speak. And uh, and so I just kind of took that leap and went out there and, and did it on my own for a number of years, which I absolutely loved because I got to work with many different companies and many different industries and helping them start DNI initiatives, doing training, speaking with their executive teams. And um, it was just really rewarding and, and helped me, you know, do what I wanted to do, which was to make a difference and have an impact. Absolutely. And, um, you know, that's what you're passionate about, making that difference and in, in impact. So how are you doing that in particular with Mercedes-Benz USA? So what are some of your major duties as the head of diversity and inclusion there? Yes. So thank you. Um, At Mercedes-Benz, we have, you know, a deep and abiding commitment to diversity and inclusion. And 
we're really striving to make connections with our customers, our employees, our dealers, and our communities where we live and work. And so there are really kind of three buckets of work um, that I lead to really try to achieve that. The first one is what we call workforce. So a lot of this is working with talent acquisition to attract and recruit people from all backgrounds to Mercedes-Benz, and then to build a pipeline of diverse talent um, inside and outside the company. So we work with women in technology and along those lines and really um, working with young women and helping them understand what Mercedes-Benz has to offer and and making them aware that a STEAM career related to Mercedes-Benz is possible for them. The second bucket is workplace, and that is um, really where we try to create a diverse and inclusive environment where our employees can thrive. And so we do things like diversity and inclusion awareness and training. We have a lot focused on employee engagement and um, employee resource groups. Um, we do, every, you know, celebrate the the big national holidays like Black History Month, Women's History Month, Hispanic Heritage Month, et cetera, to really make that a part of our culture and DNA. And then the last bucket is um, marketplace. And this is where we partner with community organizations to drive um, diversity and inclusion, mainly externally. So we try to drive sales through diverse consumer segments. We leverage DNI with our dealer network. And then we work with a variety of community organizations to um, continue that work around um, leveraging DNI and empowering and uplifting the youth. Uh, we have a particular focus on education and the youth. And that, I mean, that co- goes really well with pairing with women in technology, then, you know, fostering that education and developing the youth. And Pat, I know that the school year just started. So how are you guys working with um, young students now and how their school year just began and maybe how that kind of reflects the work that Mercedes-Benz is doing to help mentor students? Yeah. So first of all, Mercedes-Benz is a wonderful uh, partner. I met Tamika just as she was coming into Mercedes-Benz. We're from the same hometown. Just want to let you know. <laughs> Motown. So, right, Motown. <laughs> so, um, we, so we partner with them and they have done an outstanding job. Last year, for example, they went over to Georgia State and just had a wonderful time with those young women. What we're doing this year as we start out is for the uh, WIT girls, which are middle school to high school uh, students, we have a number of areas that we we want to, we say if the school is providing the content, then we want to be able to provide them the experience and the exposure with companies. So we do things for like behind the scenes. So how does Mercedes-Benz actually put the car together? Where does the start Mm -hmm. of that come? So that young women understand there are lots of aspects of STEAM that they can get themselves involved in. And uh, you don't just have to be an assembly line person or a coder. There are lots of places. Uh, We also have emergent experience. So when we take and look at engineering, for example, we will immerse the girls into what does that mean? There are lots of engineering paths that you can take. We also are looking at career exploration. So a person like Tamika and the path that she went through, what did she do to get to where she is? And so telling those stories of girls. We're extremely exciting. Tomorrow at noon, we will have WIT Campus. We will be at the Atlantic Tech Village 
with those girls, the number one thing that we understand and see in our young women in campus, these are coming from 12 different campuses, is that lack of confidence. They are usually technically capable, but don't have the confidence because they're in a male-dominated kind of uh, feel and classes that they're taking. So we are working with them. Microsoft is partnering with PivotU, and tomorrow we'll have about 75 young women, and we will take them through how to build your brand, how to put your um, profile on LinkedIn. How about your presence? When you come in the room, when you go to, for an interview, how do you exude that confidence that people will understand that you know what you're talking about and you can make a great employee for them? So we're doing that tomorrow. We are excited. I don't want to take up all your time, but we are just <laughs> so excited about what we're doing this year for Women in Technology. Yeah, and we're excited too to see everything that's uh, going to happen. And you said a big issue that you see with your lack of confidence. So Pat, um, I want to ask you first, and then Tamika, if you would follow up, maybe how you overcame that level of confidence. You know, if you lacked it, how did you overcome that? And how can you now mentor young women in overcoming their own confidence issues? Okay, girl, I didn't have that problem because <laughs> I had enough for everybody. But <laughs> I give extra, um, but for for there are there have been some times in my career that when I took on jobs I wasn't quite sure because there wasn't a roadmap, right. and so I really learned how to um, really study behind the scenes, if you will, get myself prepared. Because if I could come to the table prepared, then I know that I could step with the best of them. So mm -hmm. there's just a lot of hard work that we have to come to. And then as you get better at it, you don't worry so much about it and you just make it happen. Yeah. Yeah, and, I, and I, I'm somewhat like you, Pat, in that I... Um, it's interesting because I'm I'm pretty petite. I'm for only four foot eleven, but um, I think most people that encounter me would say I do exude that confidence when I walk into a room. I really have to credit that to my parents. I think they always taught me that I could be whatever I wanted to do if I worked hard, if I stayed focused. And, and I really um, appreciate that because that helped me. But I recognize not everybody has that. I, I say there are really two things that are important, access and exposure. And, and that's what WIT really provides for these girls is access to role models because we are human beings. And if we don't see something, it's hard for us to believe we can achieve it. Right, yeah. And so having these girls see women who are thriving in their STEAM careers and having people from Mercedes-Benz and Microsoft and all these other companies come before them and share their stories is so important. So that's access. And then the second part, just what it does is that exposure. What does that mean? What could I do um, the possibilities just aren't known by a lot of young people in terms of what they could do in STEAM. And so I think by giving them that opportunity to learn um, and exposure to those different possibilities, then they're able to see, wow, that really matches with what I love to do and what I'm good at. And so then the world just opens up to them. So I would say access and exposure are just absolutely key. Yeah, let me just also jump in and say that this summer we were able to give 13 young women um, an opportunity, and uh, many of them were first-generation college students. Wow. I will tell you that I, it was heartwarming to—we um, got six companies that took these girls and gave them an opportunity during the summer to hear the testimonials. And if you go on our website, you will hear— uh, we are doing one a month about what those girls experience. And, and a couple of them 
one woman who's on our website right now, Monica Ortiz, tells her story. And I would encourage your listeners to go on to our website, wit.org, and listen to her story. She got a job as a result of this summer. Wow. And we had a lot of these young women who said, until I had this experience, until I met WET, I, I didn't even have that confidence. I didn't have a voice, wow. which was really powerful. Yeah. And I mean, it is incredible the work that WIT is doing and then paired with such large companies like yeah. Mercedes-Benz USA and really coming behind that and championing that. And um, Pat, like you said before, and Tamika, um, it's easy to think about technology jobs and it's kind of a deterrent because it's scary to think about what you would have to do in the technology sector. But there's so many other things that you can do. It's not just assembly line work or coding. It's so many different areas. Um, so Tamika, can you uh, touch on that a little bit and maybe speak to what other areas in Mercedes-Benz that are fostering that technological development and um, just, I guess, in different areas? Yep. So we have... Um I would say kind of a new strategic focus at Mercedes-Benz USA, which is called CASE, and that stands for Connectivity, Autonomous Driving, Sharing, and Electric Drive System. So I'll go through each of those. So connectivity is basically how do we give customers access to personalizing the services related to their car. So we have an app called Mercedes, Mercedes Me. We have a website that they can go in and customize, for example, when they get into the car, what lights come on, where's the seat, and all those kinds of things. And then um, you can also do it straight from your car. Um, the A is autonomous driving. So this is cars that really drive themselves. And, and that's already underway in many um, examples. So we have cars currently that change lanes for you, that park for you, that automatically brake for you. Um, that will continue to evolve. And then the S is sharing. So um, we recognize that the automotive industry is changing. So not everybody wants to own a car in a traditional way, particularly millennials and the younger generation. So things like um, car sharing, which is where it's like a pool car. So people kind of schedule when they're going to have the car. We have a, a an affiliate called Cars to, car to go that does that. And then electric drive systems is the E. And we have what we're calling an EQ, which is basically an electric car that has a whole ecosystem that's focused on um, mobility and doing that in the electric space. So when you think about what it takes to accomplish that strategy, it's everything. It, mm -hmm. It's all the traditional corporate functions. So everything from accounting and HR and finance and um, and even marketing, right? So at Mercedes-Benz USA, we have all the traditional corporate functions, but then we also have engineering services group and we have product management that thinks about how do we incorporate certain features into different cars. Um, and so the the we have an IT group, for example, that then has to create all of the systems and platforms that allow us to operate. Um, and so it, it really is exciting because when we partner with WIT, we try to expose the young women and the girls to all of those, as I said before, opportunities and possibilities so that they recognize it's not just working on the similar floor. Yes, that's an absolutely critical part of what we do. We couldn't make cars without that. But there are so many other things that come into creating um, what we do as an organization and everybody has a role to play and we try to outline what those roles can look like. Yeah. And it's um, it seems like that's a good platform to leverage getting millennials and young people involved with Mercedes-Benz and other technology companies. And like you said, the car sharing, trying to appeal to millennials, it just seems like that's a good 
a good way to get them interested on the back end of that. Yes. And we we even have um, what we call business resource groups, which are groups of employees that really focus on a, a particular diversity dimension and try to give us insight. So we have a, a, a multi-generational business resource group called ERAs, and um, it includes people from all different generations. And they um, work together to give us ideas on how to connect with customers and even culturally within our four walls, like how do we create an environment where people from all different backgrounds and generations and ages can contribute, can thrive and, and really be happy and engaged. And so we're always looking when we approach things from a diversity and inclusion perspective, what's that inside focus and then also what's that outside focus. And um, that's just one of those examples where we leverage that ERAs uh, business resource group to do that. I like that. That's really cool. ERAs, it's, and I think it speaks to, to your, uh, your stories about Pat and Tamika, um, how you maybe you didn't experience that lack of confidence necessarily, but you can recognize it in others and you're able to mentor others and build them up and having things in place like ERAs and what WIT has with mentorship and everything that you're doing, helping that next generation uh, build up and just be confident in themselves that they can enter the world of technology. It doesn't have to look like coding or anything scary. It can look like whatever they want it to be. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that one of the areas that we are really focusing in on, and we see that, so your point is good. If, if your parents are already in the workforce or in the IT space, you know about it. Mm-hmm. Going into the underserved areas, and we focused on five counties of underserved where these young girls know nothing about any of what we're talking about. They have wow. not been exposed. Many of them have not been out of their zip codes. Look at the talent that we can tap into and that we're starting to do. Uh, We've got a wonderful grant that NCR provided for us, uh, which allows us to go in and start to expose them. And what we are finding is the natural talent that these young people have and really a propensity towards technology and their minds are just really want so they don't start out in the eighth grade thinking I'm not confident. They mm-hmm. don't start out that way. Right. Uh, and what we're trying to do is get them at that point and really nurture and continue to show them young women like Tamika who uh, went through a very different journey to get where she is, but because she is where she is and she understands that, she can help them navigate and know what kinds of exposure. And by the way, these young girls that we're starting to talk to and approach who have never been in this kind of space, they're asking all kinds of questions and we can guide them as to what kind of classes they ought to take mm-hmm. because they just don't. Many of us stumbled into the the uh, our fields, but to di- be able to direct them and to be intentional about it, yeah. really we see um, it allows us to uh, propel even faster. Yeah, that's a great point. The intentionality behind it, someone really investing in you and helping guide you. And you said, I mean, some people, they just stumble into it and they don't really know what they're looking for or what they're doing, but they find themselves in that sector. Um, So Pat and Tamika, I was actually wondering for both of you, what is the best piece of advice that you received um, in your life with regards to maybe the careers that you have today? Um, I would say uh, maybe not, I'll give two things. I'll give the best piece of advice I got I received, and then I'll give my piece of advice. (laughs) Um, The best piece of advice I think I've received in my career um, is is twofold. One is to meet people where they are and bring them where you want them to be. And so um, this is particularly important 
with diversity and inclusion work, for example, where people are at really different places, I think, on their journey about what DNI means to them and how engaged they are with it and, and things of that sort. And so I always try to listen first and understand where they are, what they're looking for, what their issues are. Typically, it's um, fear and I would say misunderstanding that that leads to disagreement sometimes. And so um, meeting them where they are and then bringing them along, it truly is about un- seeking to understand first before you act. And so that allows you to then identify win-win situations. I would say my piece of advice is to be open because if someone had told me when I was studying accounting that I would be doing diversity and inclusion work 20 plus years later, I would have told them they were crazy. Well, first of all, what is that, right? Yeah. Like, (laughs) what are you talking about? There's no way I would do that because I always loved math. And so I just Mm -hmm. saw myself in some kind of, you know, quantitative field. Right. Um, the interesting thing is I still use my quantitative skills every single day and what I do, but just in a very different way because I'm always talking about the business case for diversity and inclusion. And when I approach our executives, our leaders, I'm thinking through business strategies that connect with what we do as a company, but leverage DNI to do it. So I would say be open. And and I was recently at um, an event at Spelman because in addition to Georgia Tech, Georgia State, we've done things at, at Spelman, mm-hmm. at um, Georgia Tech as well. And and that was my piece of advice to the girls at Spelman, which was to be open. So many of them were afraid of what well, I'm majoring in this, and I and the, it was myself and three other people from Mercedes Benz, and none of us are working in the field that we majored in. <laughs> And so we all shared that story. Don't allow yourself to Mm. be confined by a major that it's all about thinking through transferable skills and what are you learning and what can you bring to the table? And then I would add, like, what are you passionate about? Because the work that I do now, I'm truly passionate about. It still allows me to use my quantitative skills, the qualitative skills, talking to people and relationship building. All those things are really natural for me. And and doing this work brings it all together. But if I wasn't open to doing this, even when I got approached about it, because at first I was like, what? Like To your point, diversity and inclusion, I, I have no background in HR. I have no background in this work. If I wasn't open and didn't take the time to really be thoughtful and talk to mentors and people, I wouldn't be where I am today. So that is absolutely my biggest piece of advice. Yeah, yeah. I, I, the advice that I've always been given, and it came from my mother, was to be fearless. Uh, to be bold. And, and, you know, I find that things that you put off and you think you're afraid of, when you actually get in it, they're not half as bad as what you thought they were. They're really yeah. very easy. And then my problem is then I I go overboard and I can't get out of them. But, <laughs> but, but I learned to be fearless. And to your point, Tamika, to be open to new things. I don't think I've had a job yet that it's ever been anybody else ever did it. And I learned very early on from one of my mentors Whenever there was something that was really a difficult job or a difficult area that they really needed, nobody wanted to go there, go there because you can do do nothing but make it better. You can Mm -hmm. go up. So I always looked for um, the jobs that were the most difficult and uh, to go into it. And I began to not be so fearful and uh, to be bold about it. And that's what I tell young people today. Get your education. Mm-hmm. Uh, do not uh, be fearful. Yep. Uh, just be bold and, and uh, it'll all work out. 
Absolutely. Be bold and fearless. I like that a lot. And it, like you said, it pairs well with Tamika's advice. It's um, if you weren't open to those opportunities and you wouldn't be where you are today and you wouldn't be able to see that working with diversity and inclusion, you get to include all of the different um, strengths that you have mm-hmm. in that area. Yeah. Um, and it's just, I think that's a testament to just walking through all of those open doors, because like you said, you have no idea where they're going to lead you to. Exactly. Yeah. So um, you spoke to how diversity and inclusion, it's, you know, what is that? Someone might not even mm-hmm. know what that means or at the outset, what it means to them. But what does it mean to you today, reflecting on your own journey? Yeah. So, I mean, I, as I mentioned earlier, I grew up in Detroit. I'm just very fortunate that um, I grew up in a really multicultural environment. There were people from all different races and religions and backgrounds. And we all were friends and we didn't care. And we grew up together and we had fun. And to this day, I'm really good friends with people from all walks of life. And so I have lived like the value of having diversity in your life. And I make it a part of, I'm very purposeful about making it a part of what I do every day. And so I try to, um, almost infect other people with that mindset. But I think what Pat said earlier is a lot of it is fear. I mean, we there's there are lots of studies and I, I do a lot of research and really dig into this work to understand human psychology, which is at the root of a lot of diversity and inclusion issues. And as human beings, we're actually hardwired to want to be with people like us because it's much more comfortable and physiologically, it makes us feel good. Mm-hmm. So we really have to step out of our comfort zone and be intentional about it. And one of my models is get comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so for me, I, you know, as I go around and I talk to people and I share stories and examples and and try to open their minds and have the light bulb go off, that there's so much value in in diversity, in different mindsets and thoughts and perspectives. And there's, once again, tons of data that now backs that up, that when you Mm -hmm. think about, for example, in in a corporate environment, um, diversity drives innovation and creativity and problem solving and also adds to the bottom line everything from customer satisfaction, market share, profitability, stock market price. All these things are higher in companies that have really robust diversity and inclusion initiatives and really live that every day. Mm -hmm. And so whether it's in my professional life, but also in my personal life, I just try to live that and talk about it. And and, um, like I said, just kind of make it infectious to everybody that I encounter because I've I've been rewarded and, and better person for it in my life and hope that other people can have that same experience. And that's, um, like you said, it's a, just the way that you live your life. So it's not a, ju- a job that you have or a title that you hold. It's something that you're so passionate about. You want to exude that to others and you show it in your everyday life, even when you're out of the office. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So Tamika, um, if someone wanted to get in touch with you, learn more about the Diversity Inclusion Initiative at Mercedes-Benz, how would they do that? Yes. Um, well, you can always learn more about Mercedes-Benz USA at mbusa.com. And on that website, we have an About Us section that talks about our work in the community, that talks about our diversity and inclusion efforts. And then if you want to reach out to me personally, you can always shoot me an email at tamika.currysmith at mbusa.com. I'm also on LinkedIn under Tamika Curry Smith. 
And um, I uh, am out and about in the Atlanta area quite a bit. So you might bump into me at some <laughs> event one of these days, because as as I just expressed, I this is, is who I am. And so mm-hmm. I, I try to um, go to as much as I can and support as much as I can in the community to advance this work because it's so important. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And um, if anybody wants to reach out to you, I know they will. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, Pat, so how is um, things going with SWIT? Is there anything coming up in the near future? Absolutely. There are two events that I want to make sure everybody is aware of. The first is our WIT Awards, and that is where we are um, recognizing women in four areas, uh, the size of companies, large to nonprofit and institutional. Uh, it is where um, women have, uh, today we have our honorees and we know who those are. We'll be going down to our finalists on November 16th at the Georgia Aquarium at six o'clock. We will then have the WIT Award celebration. We will also uh, have a WIT Girl uh, who will be recognized as okay. well. The Wit Girl will get a $5,000 scholarship um, and, and devices that will be used, uh, that they can use like a computer and all. Uh, the other thing I wanted to uh, bring up is to make sure everybody knows that on September 20th, we will have our Wit Social, and that is at Three Sheets here in Sandy Springs. Mm -hmm. And uh, it is always uh, a great place. It is a wonderful networking event. So please come out. If you are interested in either one of those events, please go to our website, mywit.org, and you will see on the homepage both of those wonderful events. Hope people come out. Yeah. Well, thank you. And Tamika, thank you so much for coming by today and joining us. And thank you, Pat. So thank you all for listening to our special WIT edition of Atlanta Business Radio. I'm Katie Galley for Pat Hurston and our producer, Stone Payton. We'll see you guys next month. 